You're listening to The Upland Rookie, a podcast presented by Upland Brits. What's going on, rookies? And welcome to episode 26 of the Upland Rookie Podcast. I'm your host, Will Larson. And as always, this is presented by Upland Brits. Also brought to you by Yukonuba Sporting Dog. If you want to get everything your dog's got, then you need nutrition that holds nothing back. Check out the new Yukonuba Premium Performance Lineup at yukonubasportingdog.com. Also brought to you by Trinity Bretons. Now offering the Trinity Upland Academy to help each Trinity Breton client attain and develop the highest level of training available with George Hickox. Trinity Bretons offers puppies, Trinity Upland Academy, started dogs, stud services, you name it. They are good people. Hit them up at trinitybretons.com. Also brought to you by Gunner Kennels. Some of the best kennels I have ever used. Man's best kennel for man's best friend. Check out Gunner Kennels at GunnerKennels.com. All right, friends, we are diving right into today's episode. Thank you for uh, for tuning in again. Thank you for uh, subscribing to this podcast and and making this a part of your uh, upland hunting podcast library uh really thankful um you uh yeah you've you've joined me on this journey so i cannot thank you enough um just a reminder i will stop doing these eventually but (laughs) just a reminder uh to please uh leave a rating and review on apple podcast um those uh those mean a ton, but they also help serve the algorithm gods. Yes, they're, they make the algorithm gods happy and help get the podcast out there to more people just like you. So uh, would love a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts if you can. Thank you in advance. Also, as always, uh, share this podcast. When the episodes release, uh, if you share it in your story, make a post about it, whatever it might be, um, just letting people know uh, what you're enjoying about the podcast helps spread the word. Uh, there might be someone out there who's never heard of this before. Maybe uh, someone's just getting into upland hunting, and uh, maybe this could serve them well in some way or another. So those two things, thank you. Um Hey, we're in October. I hope you're doing well. I hope uh, most seasons are open to some degree or another. Um, I know Pheasant just opened in Montana and North Dakota. Congrats to everyone up there chasing roosters. Uh, Hope you're doing well. Uh, Send me your stories. Send me what's going on. Send me, you know, just, hey, how's, how's it going for you up there? Would love to hear um, what your opening weekend has been like. Um, some of some of the rest of us, I know Kansas, Nebraska's gonna wait till the end of October. Kansas has to wait till November. Colorado's November. A couple other ones. We have some time to kill. But um, I did get out on. Um, I would say kind of a 
uh, yeah, kind of a bucket list hunt, uh, chasing the prairie chickens this past uh, week. Um, had a ton of fun, uh, went out, um, with, uh, a previous podcast guest I had on a while back, uh, Clayton from Rogue House, um, his Rogue House is his Instagram, uh, went out with Clayton, his wife and his son and had such a blast, uh, sharing a field with Clayton and his family, um, and his dogs, um, all short hairs, all fantastic, fantastic dogs. He's got uh, two great females, Rogue and Oakley. And then uh, the new pup, Clyde, got to hunt with him. And, and man, uh, that, that's going to be a big pup right there. And uh, he worked really well, stayed out in front. And we had a, we had a great time uh, chasing chickens. So overall, uh, just got one chicken uh, the, the whole day. Um, but it was a memorable one for me. Um, it was, it was a really special bird. I've never, again, you've probably heard me say this before, but growing up, I thought there was pheasant. That was it. Then I heard about there's quail. I was like, oh, there's quail. Uh, You know, growing up in Illinois, like I just, again, I didn't have a ton of exposure to up to, to the uplands. And that's all I thought there was. I didn't know there was prairie chickens and grouse and woodcock and, uh, you know, sage grouse and sharp tail, all those things. So uh, as I started learning about, you know, different birds, you know, prairie chicken's been on my list for a while, a few years now. And I just, at first I was like, what the hell is a prairie chicken? <laughs> uh, the more I've learned about it, um, just really was high on my list to, to find a prairie chicken. Well, lo and behold, um, Friday got out there and, uh, the area we're in, I kind of thought there could be sharp tails or chickens. I, I knew there could be chickens. And I kind of thought, hey, there might be sharp tail in here. So um, when Gage went on point, I, actually, we saw, we took it, we're standing and taking a break. And we saw a one bird flush. And I was like, oh, it's probably a Sharpie. I just wasn't even thinking it was possible to get a chicken. I know they're difficult to hunt. There's not many. It's just, it's it's a hard bird to hunt. And so I was like, oh, it's probably, probably a Sharpie. I didn't hear the, the Sharpie laugh, though. They have a very distinct laugh when they when they flush. But still, I thought, ah, it's, it's probably a Sharpie. So we kind of change course, go this direction. Gage goes on point. Uh, bird gets up to my right and shoot it. It's down. And I, I was no doubt in my mind. I was like, oh, it's probably a Sharpie. It's awesome. I'm so excited. As Gage is bringing this bird back, um, I realize it's a chicken. And I, I shot my first prairie chicken ever um, over my own dog, over Gage, over a great point. He, he brought it back. It was just a really just like you could not ask for a more picture perfect um, experience, I would say. Um, we saw uh, probably about 10 or 12 birds total. They were, they were up ahead a little bit more. They flushed. Clayton took a shot, um, a little bit out of range. But um, all that to say... Um, that even that one bird was special. It, it wasn't about a, a, a limit of, um, of prairie chickens. It was about finding them, honestly. So I went into that hunt telling myself, I said, if we can even find them, if I can just see a prairie chicken, that was going to be my goal for the day. That was going to be my, Hey, I'll leave here happy. If I can at least find them, at least I'll know they're here. At least you know, we had a maybe a chance. That was the goal. And I've talked about making goals before, realistic uh, expectations for yourself, your dog. 
all that kind of stuff. And um, so that was the goal. So to to meet that and, and exceed it, to be able to harvest a bird um, was super special. And so just keep that in mind as you are you know, heading into maybe chasing uh, pheasants this, this week or um, coming up here in a few weeks. Like, what is your goal? Have you ever hunted birds before? And, and, and kind of set your expectations accordingly. Maybe you're hunting, going in blind somewhere and you've never hunted, hunted an area. Uh, is your goal just to find them, you know, like it, like it was mine this past week with the uh, prairie chicken. So think through kind of, you know, what those goals are going to be as you're, you're coming up uh, to a hunt you have. Um, the, the other reason it was special is uh, it was the, I shot it on the, on the three-year anniversary of my dad passing. And um, again, him and I, you know, we'd hunt, we'd fish, we did a lot together. And so it was, it, it was super special as well, being able to, um, the experience I had, the bird, my dog, that experience um, on, on a day like that was, was pretty, pretty hard to beat. Um, I, I was thinking about that on the, on the drive home Friday night. And I was like, this, this bird's for dad, for sure. This, this bird is for dad. Um, and so, yeah, guys, cherish your loved ones out there. I know I don't want to get too deep here on this, but, um, whether it's, you know, your, your husband, your wife, uh, your parents, your kids, whoever's in your life. And that, that means a lot to you guys, you know, cherish them. We don't know how many days we have with our, our family. We don't know. Um, we don't know a lot. And so really cherish the time, um, that we have with them, uh, in the field, whether even our dogs, you know, I've, I've talked about dogs before, you know, you know, we don't, we only get so many hunting seasons with them. So anyways, um, overall great hunt again, guys going into your, your hunts coming up here, um, have fun, be safe. And, uh, don't forget to journal journaling has been uh, something I've really taken up this year on hunting and just trying to document and capture some of these uh, stories, some of these things that are happening in the field, the fields that I'm sharing uh, or people I'm sharing the fields with. Um, something I've, I've wanted to do before, just have not uh, sat down and, and done it, but um, it's, it's something going to be something cool. You can look back on years and years to come and say, Oh yeah, I remember that hunt. I remember that day we got, you know, our first, you know, whatever. I remember that day, you know, we took our kids out and they, they shot their first bird or they, they, they walked their first field, whatever that that's going to be for you. Um, I think writing that down, capturing that in a story form, it can be short, it can be super short. And, uh, but I think that can be a really powerful thing for, uh, for our kids or, or whoever tunes in and wants to <laughs> wants to read that so anyways guys um yeah i think that's all i got for you today um i got a great episode on tap we got doug davis of pointer upland life uh doug and i uh i reached out to doug gosh several several months ago or maybe late spring and uh he was posting some videos of his working his dog and i asked him about you know kind of the breaking process this is when I just was about to start that with Gage and uh, Doug. Doug and I jumped on a phone call just a few days later, um, and he was just sharing his knowledge and experience and kind of coaching me along on, on what to do, what to expect, um, and, and we really hit it off. And so uh, Doug's been a guest I've wanted to get on here for quite a long time, um, and uh, this is a this is a good conversation here. And I think you'll really enjoy it. But um, but yeah, you guys have a great week. Uh, 
have fun, be safe, and uh, let me know how you're doing uh, chasing roosters if the season is open for you. All right, friends, enjoy episode 26 with Doug Davis. Exactly. And my garage is in rough shape right now. <laughs> don't, don't judge me. I'm very sensitive about my garage. <laughs> very sensitive. So am I. Yeah. I, I mean, it's like it starts getting all cluttery and I'm like, okay. No, that's, I mean, I, you, it's time to reorganize. I, I usually clean it probably once a week. And um, I, I haven't. We got a bunch of like baby stuff in here right now. It's just, it's insane. But I'm a little, I'm a little sensitive. Oh, that's, man. I'm trying to get my stuff in totes and everything so when i leave to go hunting and i want to camp out i can literally just grab it and throw it in the truck yeah that's that's a a smart way to go so trying to get there you'll get there because you got the new (laughs) hey do you does your phone have a camera by chance well yeah it does how do i make it Um, you can't see me i can hear you though hit um there should be something that says like start video yeah, that came on and I hit it. Nothing's happening. Let me try. Let me try one more time. Cause, I mean, I can hear you great, but I just can't. Uh, I mean, it's not a big deal if I can't see you. But wait, hold on. Here, hold on a second. Oh, I just lost it. It came up and it left. Where'd it go? Uh, oh, it just okay. it, there. It goes. Woo-hoo! Hey, there we, there there we, we go. go. <laughs> now I can see you. I'm not used to doing this without seeing the person. So it's it's. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I thought you could see me the entire time. Sorry about that. I was just staring, staring at a blank screen. So we do, we do, we do uh, Zoom meetings at work, and I always just tor- I always just turn off the camera. I'm like, I don't want you to look oh, at yeah. me while we're having a <laughs> totally. meeting. I want to, I want to be doing other stuff. I want to <laughs> be looking at Onyx and <laughs> while I'm while right? I'm in my meeting. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. But no, you got you got the new uh, is it the Forerunner pretty recently? Uh, yeah, that's awesome. I got, yeah, I got the, yeah, I love it, yeah. man. I haven't, I haven't done any four wheel driving it yet to really test it uh-huh. out, but, but, uh, it's, I had them, they put a big old, uh, basket rack on the top oh, nice. and you put the back seats down tons of room. So I should be fine. Hoping I'll be fine. <laughs> oh, you'll be good. I mean, yeah. Hoping, you hoping I'll throw, be fine. Throw Charlie back there and just, just go. The thing will... it's nice because it's you know um he's got ac yeah. or heat so he's climate controlled he's good to go i noticed on you have do you have on the fans you have the ryobi mm-hmm. fans yeah. is that yep. how's that working it's been great it's been great i summertime I, batteries I, are yeah so summertime i always open up uh both side windows obviously of the topper and uh i got the mm-hmm. bigger i had the smaller uh ryobi batteries and they weren't lasting super long, a couple hours. Um, so I got these really heavy duty Ryobis. Um, I forget how big they are, but I can get about 24 hours out of them on, on low speed. Like non continuous, like continuous. So I'll, so summertime when it's really hot out here, I'll leave them running from like 8 PM until the morning. They're still going. Um, and then throughout the, throughout the day, <laughs> so I've, I've gotten about probably 23, 24 hours out of, out of a battery. Oh, wow. Well, uh, so my, uh, my forerunner in the back, it has, it has a 120 plug and it has a cigarette lighter plug. Oh, nice. So I could, I won't even have to have a battery if I don't yeah, want to. Yeah, you could to. just plug it right in. 
But the nice thing I was thinking about is getting that is if you decided to go camping and it got a little warm, if you went, did something in the summertime, you can flip that sucker on, you get a little yeah, breeze Yeah, going. for sure. Because those fans also have uh, a male end plug on the back. So you just plug an extension cord, oh, okay. extension cord into that, female end into the Ryobi, and then just plug it into uh, to whatever you got. And it's, yeah, it can work that way too. Oh, yeah, nice. so they're pretty sweet. Nice. Like 30, 30 bucks, I think, for a fan. <laughs> batteries are expensive, oh, but cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, batteries. cool. I'll look yeah, into man, that for sure. Well, let's uh let's just jump in. You go with that? Let's, let's just do jump it. in. So let's have some let's have some fun. Um <laughs> so let's start off. Uh tell us who you are and just give us a, a little intro of who you are and put us on a map. Where are you? Okay, my name is Doug Davis, and I am living in Mesa, Arizona. That's about uh, about uh, fifteen miles east of uh, Phoenix, Arizona. A little bit of a little more rural. Um, I can literally be out hunting quail in five minutes. Jealous from my Jealous. house. In uh, yeah, I got some state trust land not too far from my house, so. Yeah, five minute drive and I'm there. That's awesome. That's awesome. So it's pretty. That's fun. great. How long? Uh, how long have you been hunting upland birds? So I started hunting upland birds. I think I was probably about uh, 20, 28, 29 years old. So yeah. Okay. So so a while. Yeah, it's yeah. Okay. <laughs> I started a little. I started a little later than most yeah. people. <laughs> yeah, no. I think but, we call you an adult onset hunter. That's that's the term. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's a yeah. It's it's an interesting story how I got into upland hunting. Yeah, so. that's awesome. Well, let's let's kind of dive into that. What uh, what kind of brought you? What kind of I guess sucked you in to? Because you're pretty far down the path. So, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, growing, I grew up on, I grew up on a farm and we ran a ranch, but didn't do a ton of hunting just because we were busy running the farm and the ranch. Um, so, but I mean, we'd go out, we'd go out all the time and, and hunt rabbits, squirrels, um, coyotes, stuff like that. <clears throat> that was about it. So, um, after, after I grew up, uh, out of that, my dad sold the ranch and I moved down here to Mesa and, uh, kind of got out of hunting for, for a while. Wasn't really doing much living in the city. <clears throat> and so, uh, I got married and, uh, my, my wife's brother-in-law was a, my wife's brother was a big hunter. And so I started going out with him and we hunting deer and stuff like that. So, but anyway, one day we went to this outdoor show and they had this booth there for a place for, uh, hunting pheasants and chucker on a, uh, on a pheasant. It was a, it was a farm leased land. You know, you go out there and you pay your dues and you, they throw birds out there <laughs> and you go hunt them up. So, we're like, hey, this would be a lot of fun. Let's go check this place out. So we made arrangements to go out there and we show up and the guy's like, okay, yeah, how many, how many birds do you want to hunt? I'm like, you know, throw, eight, throw, throw eight, eight or nine birds out there. <clears throat> They're like, okay, got a dog? 
no, no dog. You don't have any dog. No, nothing. I'm like, okay, well, I've got, he goes, I got uh, pointers out here so we can, we can do that. And we're like, well, we were just kind of thinking we were just going to run up and down the fields and see, do it on our own. And like guys looking at us like, all right, go for it. <laughs> and so we did, he threw the, he put the birds out there. And I think we walked up and down that field for 45 minutes, an hour, and we couldn't find a pheasant anywhere. So we go call, we go back up to the guy's place with our heads down and our tails between our legs. Um, yeah, we're going to need a dog. <laughs> and most of my experience with dogs was, was labs, flushing dogs. And, and that's, that was my, most of my knowledge of hunting dogs. So anyway, this guy comes and, and brings out two of his, uh, he had an English pointer and a German short hair pointer. And he comes out there and puts these dogs just to work. And within minutes, these dogs are on point and goes up there and flushes the bird. And we shoot and the dog retrieves them. And at that point, I looked at my brother-in-law and I said, I'm in love. <laughs> this, is, this is what I want to do. This is, <laughs> this is what I like. So probably within a year I had pointers Dang. and I, and you got to understand back then there was no social media. <laughs> there was none of that. So everything I was, I was reading books and watching videos, you know, buying videos, you know, you look through the hunting magazines and you scroll through the back of the magazine. There's ads yeah, for oh yeah. hunting, hunting training videos <laughs> and, you know, training books. And so that's what I did is, <laughs> I ordered books and started trying to figure out how to, how to train my first dog. Yeah. So, so, it, so yeah. those dogs, they, it sounds like they really kind of were that light bulb switch for you. Once you, once you <laughs> saw those dogs work and what they could do, sounds like that was kind of like that moment where you're just like, that, all right. That was my first experience and, and exposure to, to pointers and seeing what they could do. And just, just the whole, just the whole thing, just watching the dogs working and, and I think the, them going on point is the biggest thing that captured my mm. interest is just, you know, for the first time ever seeing it, it was just like, oh, I gotta have it. I gotta have a pointer. <laughs> just, there's that, there's that beautiful uh, kind of dance or relationship when you're out there with a dog that just it's hard to describe to someone who hasn't seen it because it's it I, I was very similar uh started hunting on a, on a preserve with my dad and it was the dogs that that hooked me in seeing what they could do and how they did it how they worked the field how they held a bird all those little things it was it was like art watching mm -hmm. it kind of unfold oh yeah it was it's it's awesome it's uh I, st I, I don't, I think I still, after all these years, I still can't get over it. I mean, you'd be out hunting quail and just the whole experience of you, your dog finally getting on quail and going on point and the whole covey rise and the flush, I forget to shoot because <laughs> I'm so excited in the moment about watching these, the dog and 
the birds flushing up and I'm like, Oh, I should have shot. <laughs> but you got to see the dog on point. So that's always good. <laughs> but, I got to, but I got to see the dog on point. It was really yeah. cool. Uh, all is not lost. All is not lost. So you, so you went from, so hunting at, at 28, you know, getting your first bird dog. Um, so that first bird dog, talk about him a little bit. Uh, that was your English pointer, right? And uh-huh. how did you, well, I've had, a, I've actually had a couple of English. Oh, have you? Okay. So, I didn't know you had more than one. Yeah. So yeah, how, I've, so besides like DVDs, you know, I don't know if, if DVDs, I don't know how long ago this was, but like books or whatever you were reading up on, how did you like just know where to start? Like, what was that process like for that first bird dog you trained? You know, it was hard trying to follow the videos and reading the books and what they're trying to do. It was almost like when you watch the video, sometimes it was like, you kind of thought, they're, they're leaving something out or something missing, you know, they didn't give you the whole process. And so a lot of times I had to figure stuff out on my own. And then I kind of thought to my, and I got to thinking, well, you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of good at this, um, figuring, figuring it all out. And, you know, of course, you know, you make mistakes and like, well, that, that, that didn't work well. Let's, we got to go back to the drawing board. But uh, so, you know, like anybody, my first bird dog wasn't the sharpest, wasn't the greatest. But, you know, at the end of the day, we relied on uh, instincts and, you know, they were able to go out there and track birds, find them, point them. And uh, I could, sh- you know, I could shoot some birds and they would, uh, retrieve them back to me and it was very basic <clears throat> the you know their their uh behavior out in the field wasn't always the greatest you know sometimes i'd have a dog run off and i'd lose them and couldn't find them for an hour you know and you're out there trying to run around and hunt birds and you spend more time trying to find <laughs> your dog because of course, back then there was no GPS. Either. Wait, there was no Garmin back then. Come on, <laughs> there was no. Yeah, dang it. I had I had a dang bell on my dad mm. dog's neck to be able to track him. Okay, and that's you know. But once they get, you know, once they get a few hundred yards away, you don't hear that bell sure. anymore. <laughs> yeah, that that's uh... up over the up over yeah. the next hill. <laughs> it's like you go to the last place you found him, and and uh. uh uh, actually, what I found works is if you, if you uh, go ahead and shoot your gun off in the air, they'd come running back. Oh, that's <laughs> smart, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So at, I, I figured that out really quick. I'm like, oh, you shoot your gun off <laughs> in the air and then they'll they, come back yeah, to you. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> but uh, so in, how I really, really got into training dogs is I was connected up with an old guy um, and this is when I had my last bird dog, Copper. Um, I got Copper and I got connected up with this guy. And I said, hey, how much are you going to charge me to help train my dog? I really wanted to just have a really good bird dog, <laughs> not trained by me for <laughs> once. You know, somebody that knows what they're sure. doing. And uh, this old guy, he, uh, he gave me a deal. He's like, let me tell you what. He goes, I'm training he goes, I'm training four or five bird dogs on a given weekend, and it's just me. I need help. So if you come out on weekends and you help me train these five other dogs that I'm working, and I will 
not only help you train your dog, I'll teach you everything I know about training bird right dogs. Right on. So that's where I got my knowledge of training bird dogs. And I always say it may not be the right way and it may not be the wrong way, but it's my way. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's well said. And, uh, and that's why I tell people, I have a lot of people that reach out on my Instagram and say, Hey, I see what you do with your dog. And that's really cool. I like what you do. And I've had people that reach out to me that are here in the same community as me say, Hey, can we meet up? And I always tell people that I, I'm not a professional bird dog trainer, but I have a certain way of doing things. And to me, it proves to work based on what I see my dogs doing. Yeah. So um, I'll help guys get started with their dogs, but I don't help them finish them because okay. uh, that's about as far as I go. I, I'm not out to ruin else, ruin <laughs> someone else's dog. You, you know your, so, you know you know, your limitations. <laughs> I, know my, I know my limitations, and I'm not going to help somebody make somebody think that I can, you know, on my own dogs, it, it's my dog. So if I screw it up, it's it's my sure. dog and it's on me. But uh, my dog Copper turned out really well. I was very pleased with him. And now that I have Charlie, he's he's doing really, really well. Just awesome. Really pleased with him. And I learned something from another gentleman I reached out to. It's actually the gentleman that I bought cop, uh, Charlie from. And uh, I said, what's the one piece of advice you could give me on training my dog? And he said, put him on as many birds as you possibly can as early as hmm. you can. And so I've got videos on my Instagram that people can look at. I have Charlie out there at 10 weeks old pointing and retrieving quail. Nice. And that's, and a lot of that's just mostly his natural instincts yeah. and just bringing it out by putting him on lots of birds yeah. at a young age. Yeah, and, at that stage, know, at that stage, you're not really training. You're just giving them the opportunity to. That's all you're doing. You're them. just, you're, you're drawing out that, uh, that instinct. Mm -hmm. You're just making it thrive. And yeah, there's no training whatsoever. It's just, uh, I got pen raised quail from a guy here and, you know, they wouldn't fly worth a darn. They would just kind of flutter around, which was perfect for a little sure. puppy. And I would just put them out in the field and he'd run around and he'd find them and point them. And, and, uh, he pretty much started bringing them back to me on his own. Nice. All, all so, natural. There you go. Just, just all natural. And so. Um, yeah, I've had a Charlie on a ton of birds. Uh, I take him out in the, oh, so, oh, so I'm sorry. I was going to ask how old is Charlie now? Charlie is, uh, about three and a half now. Okay. <clears throat> so, yeah, that's awesome. No, it looks like, I mean, from your, from your Instagram, I know we've talked on the phone a while back. I think I reached out to you first about, uh, steady the shot. And uh, I saw some uh -huh. videos and, uh, I just reached out. I'm like, Hey Doug. Hot, like it was when I was just going to start the process with gauge early summer. And I was like, give me everything you got. Like, to, like share your, share some, share some <laughs> wisdom with me. And, um, cause so it looks like you're out there training quite a bit. Um, how's how, like, what are you guys working on right now? Ex exactly. 
so um, I'm a firm believer. I get this from, you know, having a lot of kids. I have, I have six kids. They're all grown now. <laughs> but I use kind of the same techniques of having little kids. It's consistency. And uh, when we go out and train, we train a lot. We train year-round here. doesn't matter how hot it is. We'll be out at 4 o'clock in the morning when the sun's coming up. And, and <clears throat> we'll go out and train for two or three hours before it gets too hot. But So... Um, Basically, watching the dogs work, we watch for things that they need specific work on. But when I'm out training Charlie, I'm basically out there kind of making it just like we were really hunting. I'll go out there and we'll plant five or six birds and uh, I'll run them through the paces on all five or six birds, a whole, you know, point, flush, shoot. Sometimes we have a you know, pinch collars on them with leads to put pressure on them when they're, when they're wanting to uh, take off early or whatever and just recorrect them, stuff like that. But <clears throat> basically I'm doing almost the same thing and just that constant exposure and we'll, we'll put a twist in it once in a while, change things up, put a bird in a launcher and launch the bird up or, uh, sometimes I'll have extra birds in a bag and, and, uh, we'll, we'll let one bird flush up and, uh, make them hold steady and then throw a couple other birds up in the air and, you know, <laughs> throw a couple of twisters yeah, at them to see, got, what gotta, gonna, see what they're going to see what they're going to do. You got to challenge them because dogs are very, oh, yeah. they will catch on to the, I call it the game. If you plant the bird mm -hmm. in the same spot or the same field, or they're going to pick up on, oh, oh, sure. I go to that bush or that area, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Quickly. We have, yeah, you have to change locations a lot, yeah. go to different fields and place birds in different places. Or, yeah, they figure it out real quick. <laughs> Very, like, like probably two times. I, I, I actually recently made the mistake of taking Gage somewhere two times with a planted bird. And I planted the bird in, in a somewhat of a different location, not that far from each other. And that second time I took him out, he, he just acted differently. He's like, Oh, I was here a couple of days ago. I kind of, it was just like, he knew already knew the drill, knew the game. Yeah. They, they get confident and they start, they get confident and then they get hundred percent. hundred percent. And so it's like, okay, we got to change things up now because you're, you, you know, you can just tell by their, their body language it's all body, and their it's all body language they're like oh i've done this before yeah. i've been here before i know this tree i know this line yeah they figured it out pretty quick hey with um so with charlie remind me do you have him is it steady to wing shot fall so no i just have him i have him steady to shot only okay. and you know it's a personal preference purpose and basically here's what i've ran into i have had at one point, I, when I had my dog Copper, I had him uh, steady to wing shot fall. And as you know, it takes a lot of work to get a dog to that point. And what was happening, what I found was happening is if you like to go out hunting with another group of guys and their dogs uh, are not trained to steady wing shot fall, your dog is sitting there watching these dogs take off after the covey of quail or whatever you're hunting 
on the on the flush or on the shot or whatever the case may be and your dog after seeing that a couple times your dog's like screw this (laughs) i'm going too Mm. so it and so i've ran into this and i'm like you know what (laughs) screw it (laughs) (laughs) screw it (laughs) you know and i'm sure there's i'm sure there's probably guys out there that train their dogs are like oh you don't know what you're talking about i my dog steady the wing shot fall all day long but that's just my personal experience (laughs) that's good you gotta do what works for you you got you have to i got i you know what and i'm not i'm not one of these die hard dog training guys and i'm not die hard on my dogs i try to keep there are certain things i want but i keep it pretty basic and uh you know i can keep charlie pretty to I can keep him steady to wing shot fall pretty easily. He does really good with that. And <clears throat> he's very obedient with it. And it just works for yeah, us. That's great. How I'm going to ask you kind of a, a technical question. I don't think I've asked anyone this before on the steady to shot. Um, Cause I'm taking gauge through wing shot fall currently. Uh-huh. Um, so I haven't done the shot part. I may, after I, I, I want to do a trial with him this year, just, a personal goal I have. I want to do a trial after that. I may revert back to just letting him go on the shot. How are you training to go on the shot exactly? So, so say you, you've done the groundwork, all that. How do you cue the dog to, to break on a, a gunshot? So I, we start out with, um, we start out with, uh, lead, uh, leads and pinch collars. So we're taking the dogs around on the, on the, we use pigeons mostly, and we got them and we'll have them, we'll have them there. And when you bring a dog in and let him go, let him do his thing naturally, go on point naturally. And um, <clears throat> you basically leave the lead at a, just a, a slack. So there's no pressure. And I've, I watch when I'm doing this, I'm watching the dog's body language. I'm watching the muscles in his legs and I'm waiting for that twitch because what I'm looking for is I want to I want to uh, put pressure on the dog at the same time that that dog is thinking about bolting and taking off after the bird so as soon as that uh, as soon as that bird starts to go up we we pull pressure um, on the lead, put pressure on, uh, on the pinch collar and we just wall them. And it's just a constant, it's just constant all the time. And that's how we start them. And we'll do that. You know, we'll do that for a couple of months. And then after that, what you start doing is you, uh, you do the same process, but you quit putting pressure on the pinch collar or the lead and let the bird rise and then let the shot go off. And at that point in time, they should, what your hope is, is they should, you've done it enough times that they've learned and they know, Oh, I can't go yet. So, and that's where I've gotten other dogs from. And that's how I've done the process is it's just all pressure. They're just, they're, they're learning from the pressure that, uh, this is when I can go. And so the pressure comes off when the bird hits the ground. Mm. And uh, so 
uh, even if even if the gun shoots off, he doesn't bolt off right away. He will wait until he actually see, sees the bird hit the bird hit oh, the okay. gra- hit the ground, and then he, and then he'll go after. Okay. It. So, <clears throat> yes. Yeah, so and that's how I've, yeah, that's very how cool. I've done it. Is it's just yeah, it's just a it's just a timing and pressure and consistency yeah, sounds like, to sounds get like him the to timing. to get him to that sounds point. Like the timing's really really mm-hmm. really key. You yeah you you gotta you gotta correct them bef- about the same time they're thinking about hmm. leaving. It's and that's that's the key right there of getting them getting them where you want yeah. them is it's timing. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, so he's, Charlie's yeah. looking good, man. See, I've seen some of your videos, and he's he's looking like he's ready for uh, ready for a season here. Oh, it's I love tra- I love training bird dogs. It, there's something about. Uh, training your own dog and then watching that unfold when you're out mm. hunting in the field. It's just, it's to me, for me personally, it's, it's very rewarding and uh, it's something very special because yeah. you're, it's, you know, you, there's your dog, you trained him and there he is out there performing out in the field and doing everything that you want him to. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I agree. It. I agree. Um, I'm going to jump to something random right now, but you uh, recently put out a, I, I call it a hype video. Is this right? You did kind of a, a, a Doug Davis hype video. This thing is pretty dang cool. <laughs> a, little t- a little teaser. Yeah, man. That, it's got me, it's got me pumped. Uh, I was, I was pretty so, cool. Well, how how'd that you know, come about? So, you know what, all that was is, uh, my daughter uh, is starting her own photography, videography business. And she went and got her drones and all of her uh, photography equipment. And she wanted to, um, she's done, she's always done tinkered around in photography and done stuff. So anyway, but she got all new equipment, this new drone, and she wanted to go out there. She goes, dad, when are you going to go out again with Charlie? And, uh, she says, I want to come with you. And so she came out there with us and she, she, uh, did all that videoing awesome. and, I did not know that. and, uh, and did all the drone footage and she edited it all up and put music to it. And she, sh- and then, uh, she threw it on, re- on, uh, reels and I didn't even, she was, I'm going to put it on reels. I'm like, oh, <laughs> what's, okay. like, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, yeah, I'm just now learning what yeah, reels yeah. is. I'm like, oh, okay. And so she put it out there. It's gotten like almost 6,000 views or whatever, but, but, um, pretty awesome. yeah, it turned out, it turned out pretty dang cool. In fact, she's doing it. She's actually editing and editing another one right oh, now. Oh, very cool. That's, so there should be another one. There should be another one coming out. That's, that's very, very convenient but, to have one of your kids in do photography and film. That's, <laughs> that's awesome. I got to I just got to convince her to put some hunting boots on and come out quail hunting yeah, with us. There you go. Put a, you know, we, we might put up, we might put project upland out of yeah. business. <laughs> so we got to, we got to <laughs> slow down here. Slow down one step at a time. <laughs> <laughs> watch out uh aj Jarosa. <laughs> that's awesome man no, that's awesome. Just, no we're just we're just having fun i'm 
I'm not much of a in front of the camera guy, sure. but um, no, but that was a lot. It gave her some, it gave her some experience with her equipment. Oh, sure. and we had some fun. Every, so. Everyone benefits from that. That's yeah, awesome. So. Um, what are, just give me kind of an overview. What's your, what's your fall schedule looking like as far as, as far as hunting? Are you, uh, so when this is going to air, this is probably going to be, I know you're doing a grouse trip in September. So this might be after your grouse yep. trip, but then rest of the fall for you, what's, what's it going to kind of look like? So, uh, gambles and scale quail open up October 15th this year so i'll be going out opening weekend for that and uh probably be hunting mostly gambles quail most of the time and uh then i believe it's december 3rd uh mern's quail opens uh i plan on spending a good amount of time doing that it's Burns, Burns country is probably about three, three and a half hours from my house. So I don't get down there as much as I'd like to, but my goal this year is to spend more time there than I have in the past. Um, and then January, about January 12th, uh, we have plans to go back up to Utah and hunting, uh, chucker with matt davis of final rise if all if everything comes together hopefully we'll be nice we'll be hunting up there so that's exciting man and yeah and then back to back to arizona and probably hunting more merns and more more uh gambles and scalies uh the season ends i believe february 15th something like that so you got a nice nice long season yeah. That's great. Yes. It's um, nice. couple, couple questions. Uh, so season opens, so you said is October 15th, something like that. Is yeah. it, is it uh-huh. still hot as heck down there in Arizona? <clears throat> Middle of October. Yes. You're still, you're, you're still in the nineties as a high. Um, so me personally, I like to go, in elevations a little bit higher you'll find gambles quail up as high as about five thousand feet and so i'll go up into elevations a little higher to where it's it's quite a bit cooler in the morning than it is in the desert floor and uh you can at least get two or three hours of hunting in before it gets too hot and the rattlesnakes start coming back out and that's pretty much how it is until probably uh end of november into december then you start into november you start getting into the 80s 70s okay so a little little better (laughs) a little better yeah um december and january is prime hunting time in arizona for upland birds that's what i've heard um, especially, yeah, especially, especially for Merns, it is absolutely perfect, beautiful weather up there. That's, that's awesome. So, uh, so getting into the bird, the three different, uh, quail species that you have down there, um, would love to give people kind of an overview, uh, talk about, um, each of the three birds, if you don't mind, and just a little bit of just describe their habitat. Cause it sounds like 
from the little I know, they is it Merns are the kind of high country mountain ish birds. So kind of, yeah, we'll let's we'll start with Merns. Okay. Uh, so yeah, Merns is in a little bit higher country. They're in um, they're in a combination of uh, tall grass and and uh, oaks. Um, they are typically right around between four, four and 5,000 foot elevation. Uh, the last couple of years, it's actually snowed up there in Merns country in January, which was kind of cool. Wow. It was pretty nice. So, um, so yeah, they're, they like to be in a combination of tall grass and they like to be in the oak savannas um, up underneath the oak trees. Um, and, uh, they primarily, they like to feed, uh, they feed on, uh, root bulbs, insects, uh, different kinds of seeds. Um, you will primarily find them. They like to be on the Northern sides of, uh, uh, sloping hills, canyons, um, Merns have, they have really big claws on their feet and it's because they do, that's what they use. They do a lot of digging for, um, their food and kind of one thing to look for when you're hunting in Merns country is you'll find these little, almost perfectly round holes about the size of a softball and scratch marks. And if you find that, you know, you know, there's probably Merns in there. Uh, Like, so that's one good tell sign to know you're, you're in the right spot. Right on. It's it's fresh scratches and uh, those little burrows that they make. Um, So yeah, they, uh, like I said, North side of slopes. um, A lot of times it'll be down in drainages where there's washes. Okay. um, That kind of thing. (laughs) So go ahead. So it sounds like a pretty rugged terrain. We're talking about some of those those oaks and trees and drainages. It sounds like a pretty mountain mountainish rugged bird. It's it, it is mountainish, and it can depending on how crazy you want to get, you can get in some pretty nasty canyons. And um, if you're if you're willing to if you're willing to put the work in and hike, you can get into some you know pretty remote areas the better your chances of getting into some decent coveys. Nice. So All right. yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of hard. It's, 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 it's a good workout. Oh, I, bet. <laughs> I bet there is. All right. It's a lot of, it's a lot of up and down. Yeah, I'm sure. So, so I don't think it's anything like chucker hunting, but oh, it's yeah. probably no, Chucker is probably uh, another, <laughs> another level for sure. Um, let's go to gambles or scaled. So gambles, quail, um, we call them here in Arizona, we call them desert birds because that's what they mostly are. They're in desert scrub. They're in, uh, they like to be in the, uh, cactus landscape. Um, they, they like to be in prickly pear. They like, especially like to be in choya cactus. You don't want to mess with choya cactus. You do not want to take your Mm. dog in choya cactus. It's, it's an absolute nightmare. It, 
they call him, they call it uh, jumping choyas mm. because they literally, your dog can, you literally walk by him or just barely brush him and they just grab really? you. And yeah, they'll, you, they get all over your dog and then your dog tries to bite him off and Oof. it gets all over their Oof. mouth. It's, 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 it's a horrible experience. So anybody who's wanting to come to Arizona and hunt, stay away from the Toya. It's, it's, I, it's a bad experience. I will, I will Google what it looks like. <laughs> so anyway, but the gambles, they like to be, like I said earlier, they like to be, though you can find them up towards as much as 4,500 foot sea level. Um, they like prickly pear. Basically it's a cactus that looks shaped like a pear. Um, so they also love to be down in washes that are lined with uh, uh, trees and heavy brush. That's where you'll find them most of the time. Gamble's quill do not require a ton of water. So, you know, the whole ideal idea of, oh, I've got to find water to find the quill. Um, quill can be a long ways away from water. Um, but also they have ways of locating water that are like down in the, down in the sand in the washes um, or just dew on the plants. Mm, okay. Uh, morning, morning dew from the plants. And uh, as far as uh, food, same thing. They, they eat, they eat uh, insects, um, uh, bulbs from roots, um, berries if they're around. There's sometimes there's little uh, bulbs and flowers that sprout off of the uh, some of the cactus that they'll eat off of. Uh, so, yeah, that's um, gamble quail. Usually, they require to make a to have a good season and they, so they thrive well, they need a good, uh, uh, winter, spring rainfall. Okay. So that's, that's kind of determines their, uh, how well their, um, broods are going to turn out. When you out. say winter, spring, uh, for Arizona, is that February, March time? So, so yeah, you want, Ideally, you want to see rainfall going on from about um, November all the way through uh, April. Okay. Okay. So very nice. Did Did you guys have? Uh, we'll get to the scale in a second. Did you guys have a, a decent rainfall this past season? Or uh, yeah, I guess so. Before last hunting season, did you have a good rainfall leading into that? So year before last, it was it was pretty decent. Um, and it was probably one of the best years of gamble quail hunting we've had in quite some time. Um, this last year was pretty bad. It was, it was, it's been a pretty drought stricken year. So, I mean, there's still parts of Arizona that did get, get some decent rainfall, but not widespread. Okay. okay. All right, then how about the, the scaled quail? How do they differ from the gambles? 
So scaled quail, they're going to be, you'll still find them in desert areas, but it's a mixture of desert cactus and then almost going into where they're rolling grass, rolling grassy hills, tall mm. grass. Um, you will sometimes get lucky and sometimes you will find both gambles quill and scaly quill uh they'll actually be in the same area sometimes okay. you get lucky enough to get you can get both you can get both those species and within the same area so um scalies require they're a lot they're a lot like Mern's quail they require a lot of summer rain Okay. So sounds good. It sounds yeah. Sounds like it sounds like drought has been a big theme this year. Not not just you know up out west and all that. It sounds like drought has been a <laughs> maybe an issue all around. Yeah, but, but yeah, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm sure I'm optimistic. I'm you know, that's just my and, and it's funny because I'm not typically an optimistic person, but I'm choosing to be optimistic this year <laughs> about uh, yeah, about chasing yeah. birds. I think I think it'll be good. And regardless of bird numbers, I think it's it beats sitting at home watching watch you know it's like it's like anything i think you know you might have to you might have to get out and do some hiking and uh do uh, do some boot leather hunting and really work some areas you're you're gonna find birds you just may have to work to find them um you may not find uh a bunch of coveys and you may not find a large amount of coveys um in groups, they, uh, I mean, this last year, I think every time I went out and hunted, you know, the coveys were a little, the coveys were a little smaller and, uh, you know, you had to work to, uh, to go find them and, yeah. And get them. Absolutely. If, um, if someone's coming out to hunt Arizona this year, what's, what's probably your biggest piece of advice that you would share with them? Um, if you're coming out here, um, like I said, I would, I would say I'd be, I'd be ready to, I'd be ready to walk, be ready to hike. Um, like I said, go find, go find areas that are, uh, where there's a lot of washes, that's where you're going to find the best luck. Um, wear, wear brush pants hmm. because out here, everything pokes you, sticks you and hurts you. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds painful. So, and it's going to be, and it's probably going to be warmer than what you're used to. Okay. Um, but, people that are coming from other States might find that inviting because it's, you know, you're not hunting in a blizzard sure. or, you know, 10 below zero. <laughs> it's, you know, you're hunting, you're hunting in in the morning where it might be in the forties. And by the middle of the day, it's in the sixties. Okay. That sounds pretty nice in January. That sounds it's, pretty nice. It's, it's not bad. It's not bad. It, it's, it's kind of yeah. nice. The dogs, the dogs get a little hot. So, if you're bringing dogs, have a lot of water on hand because um, it's still a little warm for the dogs. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, we've we've uh, but, in Colorado. We've been getting a couple cooler mornings, and it's been for me. It's been great. I'm out there in like a light hoodie, 
the dogs are still, you know, they're still hot and you know, I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh dang. Yeah. So it's always, they just run so much warmer than, uh, than we do. Well, they're yeah. working harder too, but, <laughs> um, Doug, let's, uh, Oh, I wanted to ask you about actually just uh land access real quick. Is, is land a pretty, is a lot of public land in Arizona? There, there is a lot of public land. There's a, there's a lot of state trust land okay. and there is a lot of, uh, BLM land. Okay. So, you know, use your trusty Onyx map and, and, uh, you know, start doing your e-scouting before you, before you come out here yeah. and, uh, you, uh, like I said, for Gamble's Quell, Gamble's Quell are probably, um, in three quarters of the state of Arizona. Okay. Oh, wow. Pretty widespread. They're, yeah, they're they're pretty widespread all over Arizona, um, except for into the um, higher elevations and into the pines, kind of thing. But um, low desert, high desert, you're going to you're going to find gambles quill um, all over the place. Um, scalies are a little bit more com, uh, confined and spotty out towards this southern part of Arizona. Um, kind of neighboring where the, where the Mearns quail are. Okay. So nice. Well, I'm, uh, uh, I'm yeah, coming out in, I told you I'm coming out in January. So I, I haven't, haven't been doing a ton of e-scouting yet. It's a little far, farther, far away, but, um, I am, I am super excited. Never, uh, never been to Arizona before. And I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I've yeah. You know what? Um, I've gone out, uh, I do just like everybody else does. I've gone out and just hit the hills and, uh, uh, I found them. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> you, you know, I didn't have anybody, I didn't have anybody pointing the way or, you know, I just, uh, read and studied up on, uh, their, where they like to be, what they like to eat, uh, and their behaviors. And I just started going out hiking, looking for signs mm. and I found them. That's awesome. So very, they're, they're out there. Very rewarding <laughs> feeling when you can uh, just kind of figure something out. You do the research, you do, you, you get some knowledge on the bird and then you just walk and find them. That's, that's one of the most rewarding feelings. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's like, it's like anything. It's like you're, you're there. There's guys that have their, their, treasured areas that probably have are loaded with with quail and lots of coveys um and you know if you can find those that's great but to me it's just it's just being out there it's just being out there and looking for them and you know what if if most of the time I get in on little coveys. I've never, um, never gotten any on anything more than maybe, uh, four or five covey of quail, especially when uh, merns, okay. merns are usually small coveys. Okay. A lot of times you'll find pairs or threes or fours and, uh, not huge coveys. And, uh, when you're, when you're hiking and working all day, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter how, how many or what the size it's like, Hey, I finally, 
my dog finally got on them and we finally found them. Yeah. So, um, there's been days I've hiked all day and walked 10 miles and came home with one bird in the bag. Yeah. And, uh, I didn't, I loved every minute of it. <laughs> Uh, that's when you know this this thing we call upland hunting it, it, that's when you know it truly is just you're doing it because you love it and it's a passion when you you can go out and you you don't even don't shoot a bird and you just got to be mm-hmm. out there with your dog maybe you're you know just getting to see them work a field work you know whatever they're doing and there's still a smile right. on your face that's when you kind of know okay this is, this oh, yeah. is it yeah well, a lot of people come out here seeking the Mern's quail. It's like the crown jewel of quail. Really? It, yeah, it's it's uh, they're you, the 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 mature adult males are if you if you ever ever seen one, Google it and look at them. But they're just they're very unique, beautiful looking birds. Are they the ones with like the little and, knot on their head, like the little? That's so. That's the gamble. Oh, okay. That's the gambles. Um, the, the Merns, um, they have almost like a mask on their face, oh, okay. black, uh, brown or black okay, and white I've seen those. mask on their face. Um, you know, and it's almost like, this is how I am. <laughs> if, if I can get, if I can shoot just one adult male Merns quail, to me, that was like, to me, that is like getting the, trophy elk of a lifetime <laughs> i mean they're they're not easy to find they're not there's not like there's a lot of them around sure. <laughs> you know you're working uh, for especially it. especially for the drought we had this last year they're going to be difficult to find they're not going to be i don't think they're going to be big in numbers it's going to be mostly uh young first year birds okay. that we're going to be finding this year okay so you're not going to get that, that beautiful, uh, mature mask. Okay. So a little bit smaller, younger. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but yeah, they're just, if I can, if I can come home with one of those, I'm just, <laughs> I'm as happy as well, can that's be. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> I want to move on to, uh, something new I was, I was going to kind of try with some of my guests here and there is, uh, just have you give me kind of a, your own off the cuff review. Uh, I, I kind of asked you ahead of time to maybe pick one or two, uh, pieces of gear that you picked up maybe this past season, this summer, even that, um, you're just really excited about. Give me kind of, kind of your review on what those, you know, that piece of gear is and just tell us kind of your thoughts on it. And again, I sorry, so, real quick, real quick, because people are gonna bombard me. This is not sponsored. This is just uh, two guys talking about gear that they they love. So go ahead. So, yeah, you want to talk about yeah, you talk about that. So, you know, I the first one I got to talk about is the Final Rise vest. Yeah, go for it. I mean, I I there's I probably have owned. Uh, at least six or seven vests that I can think of right now. And, uh, the final rise vest is just amazing. And like you said, I've had people reach out on Instagram, like, are you, are you like a salesperson or <laughs> for final rise? Because I'm always, I'm always talking yeah. about the final rise yeah. vest. Um, I make just, so you know, everybody out there, I make no money 
off of the final ride. Good back. clarification. <laughs> but I'm the kind of person when I get a piece of merchandise and I like it and everything about it, I I will get on mountaintops yeah. to spread the word. I mean, I want everybody to experience the same the same thing I'm experiencing. Uh, the final rise vest. The biggest thing I like about the final rise vest overall is the belt system is just like mm. the belt system you'd find on a, you know, seven, $800 uh, backpack. Yeah. Big, like a uh, big game pack. Yeah. 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 It's, it, it hugs your hips and it keeps all of that weight off of your shoulders. I've had so many dang vests that you weight them down with water shells and, at the end, oh yeah, and at the end of the day, there's you know, four or five birds in the bag. That thing just digs into your shoulder, and it's digging into your hips because it's such a skinny little belt that they put yeah. on those things. But the final rise, the way Matt uh, designed that thing, it keeps almost all the weight off your shoulders, and uh, you can just carry tons of water. Uh, tons of shells uh you know i just i i love the thing it has just uh been the best pack that i've ever seen or worn in a long time i'm back um it's now are, there's a lot of uh are you rocking the the summit ahead. vest or the legacy um it's the okay. summit okay the, the og the original <laughs> yeah there you go. Yep. The original. Um, so, and I've slowly, I've slowly gotten things added to it. I put straps on it that I can put, you know, when I'm gets warm in the day and you want to take off a jacket, yep. I can cinch down extra layers of clothing. I've got an extra, I bought a couple of extra storage pockets. I can put first aid kits and stuff nice. in. Have you, have you ran the bladder, so, uh, like the water hose and the bladder in it? Or are you just rocking the bottles for a while? I have, I have a bladder. Okay. How, how do you, how do you like yep. that? I haven't tried a bladder in mine yet. I love it. It just, um, it reassures me that I have more water if I need it for me and the dogs. Um, especially these packs, the, these packs are designed for you to be gone all day out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And when you never really know how far away from the truck you're going to be or how long you're going to be gone, uh, I always, especially in Arizona where it's warmer, I, I like to be carrying a lot of water. Yeah. That's so cannot have too much water. That's for sure. So it's, um, I don't think I've ever ran out of water yet. I've come close. Um, and that's being gone literally hunting all day long. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so that's, that's awesome, man. Um, one of the, one of the features I've, uh, initially I had a couple other, of my, of my favorite features of the vest and one I've come to love more recently is the shoulder straps and, uh, mm -hmm. just the thinness, that outer, that little, um, 
it's not padding like almost lo- the little grip that's on the front of the shoulders yeah um that's just it's crafted well it's super super thin and i've been been practicing yeah my he, and he gun mount. yeah he made it that way but yeah he made it that way so you could have an unobstructed yeah. natural but a natural uh gun mount every time with nothing nothing messing up your gun yeah. mount and yeah it's it's pretty slick yeah. It's, Again, un, this is it. not sponsored people. Whoever's listening to this says, I am not sponsored. <laughs> I bought my vest. I paid for all the accessories. I paid for it all. And I will gladly, you know, gladly do that. It's just, uh, I like supporting the, uh, his company. I like supporting Matt. I think he's a hard worker and uh, just putting out a great product too. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's one of the best pieces of Upland equipment that, I have seen in a long time. I feel fortunate to be, I feel for, fortunate to be a part of this right now. I have gone so long being, being in upland hunting since, you know, for, oh my gosh, the last, I guess, 25, 30 years, this, just the last couple of years, all of a sudden it's just exploded with yeah new technology and new ideas and lighter equipment. And uh, when you're a guy that's gone old school and worn the heaviest and the most uncomfortable of equipment to the stuff we're seeing now is amazing. It is so much easier to, you can hunt, you can hunt better, more efficiently, uh, you're, you're, just, you're just more, you comf- you're just more comfortable too. I mean, and not, not to, Oh yeah. I, again, I'm not one to, I don't want to try to, for new guys out there, I don't want it to see, Oh, you have to have all the stuff you have to have, you know, whatever it might be. No, it's taken, it's taken me yeah, years. It, it to just, get this it just stuff. is more comfortable <laughs> and it might take you yeah years to, oh, to yeah. get that stuff. And so don't anyone out there don't feel like you no, have it's to just, rush and get all this stuff. Yeah, no, no, no. It's, it's definitely worth, if you're looking for a piece of equipment and you go, you know, I want to save my money and to get something, this vest will literally change the way you hunt. (laughs) I I agree. agree. That's how that's, (laughs) you know, you know, I've even joked with people. I'll, you know, I'll be with other, I'll be out hunting and see other guys wearing these vests, that were out in the market from five or six years ago. And under my breath, they'll go, I really feel sorry for him. <laughs> that's, that's cold, man. That's cold. <laughs> he, 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 he needs the final rise best. I'm, he will change his life. We, we need to carry an extra one in our truck for, for someone we meet out there. Be like, Hey, you, uh, <laughs> you know, that'd be kind of nice. I think I don't know how many I've actually, I know I referred over a couple of dozen people to Matt for the rut for that vest. I don't know how many people have actually bought it, but that's awesome. Um, Oh, so anyway, Oh yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Second. Did you have a second piece of gear you wanted to talk about? So my second piece of gear, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with a pair of boots that I got. Okay. And it's probably on the list of people have never even heard of or know of. I don't know. But 
So my brother used to be, or still is, I guess, and he used to be an avid backpacker. I mean, he'd go backpacking in the backcountry in the middle of nowhere for a week. And uh, when I was going around trying to find a boot and uh, I've been, like I said, just like the vest, I've been through dozens of boots and just nothing out there really just was, you know, impressing me. And, uh, and what I wanted in a boot and for the country that I hunt in most of the time, especially Mern's country and for chucker hunting, um, he turned me on to, uh, they're not a hunting boot. They're a backpacking boot. They're the, uh, they're called the, uh, Zamber, Zamberland Vias Lux GTX hiker. Um, and so I went on his recommendation and I bought these boots. This last year is the first year I wore them for an entire season. And I love these Hmm. things. I mean, you're feet feel like they're sitting on clouds in those <laughs> boots all day long. And it's, uh, it's the, the, the soles have these big, uh, they have the big lux. Uh, they have the, they have forward rockers on them. So when you're walking, you actually feel yourself propelling and pivoting forward. It's, it's a really interesting sensation. Uh, and, I could actually, uh, when I was, when I was going up and down steep hills and canyons last year, wow, what a difference than all the other boots I've ever worn before. I just, I love them. They're an all leather boot. They're Gore-Tex. They're, these are uninsulated. Uh, of course, you know, here in Arizona, it doesn't ever get really, really cold where we were going to be hunting up in birds. Sure. But even then, you can you can put uh, insulated socks sure. on and you'd be fine. Are they like a mid mid but ankle support, high low? These particular ones are a mid ankle. Zamberlin actually makes uh, they they make a line of hunting boots that are that are higher up on the ankle if you want them. That I believe have the same design. Okay, uh, but. I just, just, I decided I want, wanted specific hiking boots um, because the similarities are very close. Do you think about what hikers are doing, what we're doing, Mm, you know, we're carrying around that vest loaded down with water, shells, birds or whatever. And these designs are, these, uh, these boots are designed to carry loads Mm. and like a backpack, uh, and uh yeah i i love them. that's awesome man I've, I've heard of zamberline i haven't uh i haven't looked into them really i haven't tried them but i've i've heard of that brand before um but they sound like awesome boots no i i've i've been through i'm not going to name names but i've been through a string of different kinds of boots and i'm very happy with that's these that's great that's really cool so 
Well, awesome, Doug. Yeah. Um, all right. So two more things to get through and then we're going to wrap this convo up. Um, I'm actually going to, we're going to go through our rapid fire uh, questions. Uh, all right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to go down the list. Um, I'm actually going to start off with one that's not on my list. I just thought of uh, what, sh- what load, what shell are you uh, going to use for quail this year? Oh man. Ooh, it sounds like I stumped you. So my my go-to is probably going to be uh 20 gauge seven and a half one ounce load uh with about 1250 feet per second velocity okay they're federals okay shooting federals there you go nice is that um, what you have used or are you changing it this year I'm changing it this year. Uh, last year. So what that was the other thing I should tell people is for gambles. Quail are a very tough bird. Um, last year I had so many ding birds where you could actually shoot them and watch them hit the ground and get up and run no away. Yeah. And I just had that happen one too many times to me last year. So this year I did a little bit more reading and decided I was going to, I needed to try something a little different with a little more, a little more bang. (laughs) So just curious, are you stepping, I guess, to be up in shot or down in shot size? So you're getting more pellets. I'm yeah, I'm stepping up more pellets uh, and more velocity. Okay. So, um, I also, so I have a, I also have a 12 gauge. I might be, I might be, I'll probably be shooting the same thing, uh, in 12 gauge, seven and a half. Uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be spending this year playing around with some different loads. There you go. That's Uh, awesome. So. I want to try some, I want to do some experimenting and try some things out. And so, yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Well, um, so we're talking about guns. What, uh, so what gun are you carrying out, uh, chasing quail this year? I have the CZ Bob white 20 gauge. Okay. Is that the side by side? That is the side by side. All right. Very nice. Yes. It's got the, it's, it's the old English style. So it's got the double triggers. It's got the, English straight stock. Nice. Um, that's one of those deals where I've shot an over and under for years. And I finally, I finally got out of my comfort zone <laughs> and bit the bullet and went and got this thing. And I thought, I'm just going to, I'm just going to try. I got to I got to know. Yeah. I got to know I've heard people and people talk about the side by side. And, and so I went and I went and got one and I love that. Gun. How was the transition process? Two things, one going from an over under side by side, but also the double trigger and the straight stock. Like how was that so much change for you or how'd that transition go? So for me, the straight shots, the straight stock actually feels better to me. Really? I, it fits me better. Um, I like the way it feels. I like the way it swing, the gun swings. Um, 
so yeah uh and then the double triggers i don't know the way my brain works it just it was it was it was an easy transition for me to figure out the triggers and just like anything i went out i went out and with my clay targets and my thrower and i just started practicing the double trigger transitions that i've actually found that i really like the double triggers now i bought this gun last year to go uh grouse hunting and uh so i took it out a few times before i went grouse hunting and so when i went up there and to actually sit there and be able to on the fly be able to decide if I want to do a, if I will need to do a short shot or if I need to do a long shot hmm. first because that double trigger that double trigger is basically you're deciding which barrel you want to shoot at any given time yeah there is a few, there was a couple of times I had some long shots and I knew immediately I needed to take shoot the second barrel, which is going to be oh, a different choke, uh, a different choke with a longer, longer okay. shot. Um, and so on the fly with your finger already right wow. there on the trigger, making that, making that decision right then. And then rather than hitting that switch on the stock wow. on the receiver, um, it just, for me, it worked. That's better. really cool. I, n- I never uh, thought just, about that. Yeah. So, I really, I've really come to really enjoy the double trigger idea. And, and there's, like I said, there's been a few times on the fly where I've decided that uh, this is a longer shot and I just pull that trigger first. Yeah. So it's really come in convenient several times for me. Very cool. Very cool. Um, okay. And now I actually just realized this. I was going to ask you about your favorite dog breed besides a GSP. I don't know if we mentioned that Charlie is a GSP. <laughs> I think I skipped over I that. We probably did, probably didn't know. Yeah. So I'd have to go with English pointer. Okay. Oh no, 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 no. I'm going to back. It cannot be English pointer <laughs> and it cannot be a GSP because I know you both, you had both of those. Sorry. Redo. <laughs> okay. So, Oh my gosh. Probably. Oh you really <laughs> get where I, this is where I get people. Um, Dang. Uh, I would probably do a setter. Okay. I'd probably do a setter. Okay. I think it would be my next thing. Okay. Very cool. That's good. I, I, I like that. I like it. <laughs> making you reach for it. <laughs> <laughs> you could have said Brittany, but I'm not, I'm not offended. I'm not offended. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. A couple more here. Uh, favorite bird species to hunt. And if you say quail, you have to name a specific kind of quail. Merns. Merns. Okay. Okay. Merns quail. Right. Sounds like you're, you're pumped to go chase those. Um, how many bird species have you hunted with Charlie? Uh, is that different species of quail too? Uh, just- yes, I will. I will say <laughs> different species of quail. So it could be three right there with Arizona quail. So there's three grouse, four, Pheasant five, chucker six, 
So yeah, six species. Nice. Do you have, uh, this is random. Do you have uh, wild pheasant in Arizona or is it all game farms? No, there is a, there is a small area up near around Yuma, Arizona that holds wild quail that you have to, you have to actually put in and draw for. And I believe it's a bag limit of two. Okay. So, so, so pretty small. (laughs) Pretty okay. Small. Okay. Just curious. It's, it's more of, I think it's more for everybody. It's just more of the experience sure. than anything okay. of being able to go hunt a wild pheasant in Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, how many States, uh, have you hunted upland birds in? Uh, just two. Okay. Uh, Arizona and Utah. Okay. Oh yeah. You you went, uh, Utah chucker last year, right? Nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, no, I just, uh, you t- last year was just, uh, grouse. Grouse. Okay. Okay. Very cool. All right. Yeah, couple more, so- uh, solo hunt with you and your dog or a group hunt with, uh, you and some, some good friends. Um, let's see. Don't kill me out there to, um, putting this out there to my buddies. <laughs> Cliff Nordyke and <laughs> Martin Escobar. Uh, I'm going to say solo. And that's just because solo is very far and few between. Mm. I'm always hunting with my buddies and very seldom do I go hunting solo. So solo is a little bit more special. Okay. Very not. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, <laughs> last one in this section here, uh, beverage of choice after a hunt. Oh, everybody's going to die laughing at this one. Dr. Pepper. Oh, first one. First one for Dr. Pepper on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a couple, uh, a couple waters recently. Um, heard that yeah. one i heard that yeah. one yeah <laughs> i think i was laughing at I that think one I laughed pretty hard at that one but it i mean in reality you're after a long hunt i mean just give me some freaking water and it's that's that's what yeah. you need sometimes but okay first one for dr pepper my wife would be very happy she's, she's a big dr pepper <laughs> fan <laughs> i'm i'm alcoholic free so okay there you go <laughs> nothing wrong with that <laughs> nothing wrong with that all right Doug. last question for you uh i'd like to ask every guest this um for the the uh, guy or girl out there um who is uh, heading into their first season maybe they just picked up their first bird dog um maybe yeah maybe this month they're they're going out for their first hunt what is some advice you would give them uh going into their first season don't be afraid to reach out to people either on Instagram or uh, going to your area uh, hunting club where they have, you know, a lot of places they'll have field trial clubs, Nastra, uh, those kinds of places, sign up to those, get involved. Um, But yeah, I would just, the main thing is, is don't be afraid to, to reach out to people and ask for advice and, you know, ask questions. Uh, we've all been there and, uh, yeah, 
if anybody, I love, I love helping people out. I love answering questions. Anyway, anything I can do to help people are welcome to reach out to me on my Instagram and uh, we can, we can talk, help you get started with in the right direction for any advice or help you need. Awesome. That's so, awesome. What is your, uh, what's your Instagram handle? My Instagram handle is pointers underscore. Uh, heck, I can't remember right now. <laughs> po- po- is it po- <laughs> pointers? Pointers, pointers underscore Upland. Uh, Upland Davis underscore life. Pointers, life, up, life. Up, okay. pointers Upland life. <laughs> Sorry. Just boy. A, Doug Davis, everyone. <laughs> Pointers Upland okay, Life. Pointers Upland Life. There. Love it. Um, I, and I can just, just personally, I'll, I'll attest to that. What you, what you said about reaching out for help. Um, again, when we first connected, I reached out over Instagram, just asking you about uh, the study process, you know, breaking your dog. And we jumped on a phone call, I think within a couple of days. And you kind of just, again, talked yeah. me through it and shared some, some encouragement. And uh, that really meant a lot to me. That was, you didn't have to do that. And uh, it was sure, fun no. to connect with you. That's how, that's how I learned. That's how I started. And I'm just, uh, I'm just returning the favor. I, you know, it's, it's a very frustrating feeling to be able to sit there and think of these things you want to do and you don't know how to do it. You don't know where to start. You don't know where to begin. Um, and people, I mean, if people are a lot like me, I'm like, I don't want people to think, you know, what are they going to think when I, you know, ask them something or am I, you know, am I an idiot for even asking this question? Am I stepping on toes or, you know, is, no, all those things are, you know, is this a secret? Is this, is this a secret club? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So no, just, yeah. And, and if someone gives you, and if someone gives you attitude and doesn't want to help you move on to the next person. Mm. Cause um, as far as I'm concerned, I think the Upland hunting community is the most tight knit, almost family-like atmosphere than any other kind of hunting I've ever been a part of. I, I would, I would agree. I would agree. I, I haven't been around it as maybe as long as you have, but from what I've experienced, uh, don't get me wrong. There's people out there that are a little closed off and maybe a little, little secretive on things, but, uh-huh. um, I'm not just talking spots. I'm talking about just general knowledge of, you know, dog training, whatever mm-hmm. it might be. Oh, sure. But, uh, for the oh, most sure. part, the vast, vast majority of people are like guys like you who are willing to just share, Hey, here's, it, it might seem simple. Cause when I was, I'm starting out, I'm asking the, I look back now, I'm like, uh, that was a good question, but in the moment I'm like, Oh, this is going to be a dumb question. I don't want to ask this. I'm going to seem like an idiot, mm-hmm. but it's all how, it's how we all learn. It's how we all grow. No, no. Like I said, we've, we've all been there. We weren't born knowing how to do any right. of this. <laughs> right. I mean, you come, you come out <laughs> as a child, going, I know how to train a dog. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, so yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Doug, uh, thank you so much for your time. It was a uh, great chat with you uh, more in depth, getting to know your story, uh, talking quail. Um, I'm sure uh, there'll be definitely be some people out there, including myself, uh, chasing, chasing Arizona quail this year. So, um, and I, I definitely want to have you back on, uh, talk about maybe season recap uh, once, once things are settled down uh, next year. Yo, definitely. Thanks for having me on. It's been a lot of fun and, 
um, yeah, I'd love to catch up with you. And, and uh, uh, heck, I even want to hear your experiences as well. So absolutely. Maybe we'll have to we'll have to have a, 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 a two-sided interview. I'll <laughs> yeah. ask you questions. You ask me questions. Fair enough. Fair enough. We can do that. <laughs> we can do that. Well, awesome, Doug. Thanks. Right. Thanks again. Great chatting with you. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Uh, you too. Thanks. Take Bye-bye. care. Well, that is a wrap of episode 26 of the Upland Rookie Podcast. Thank you so much again for tuning in. Doug, thank you. Uh, loved sitting down with you, hearing your story, unpacking training dogs, hunting Arizona, all that good stuff. Uh, really, really appreciate it. Hey, guys, until next week, uh, remember, if you can't hunt over a Brittany, any bird dog is better than no bird dog. Just go put some miles on those boots and have fun.